Welcome back to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, live from the Kintech studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A final segment of the show and going into the break, I will admit I completely forgot about our daily segment, the whiteboard. Normally, of course, we do it at the beginning of the show, not on Wednesdays because of the crossover. We graciously accommodate uh, our guests, uh, Don Taylor and Rick Dollywall. But uh, that means it's time right now for today's edition of the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, January 10th. Headlines. Canucks complete the sweep of the New York teams with a 5-2 win over the Islanders. And I would say even looking bigger picture, Drancer, as a headline, they reached the halfway mark of the season in first place in the Pacific Division, which to me, you know, it doesn't look, it doesn't necessarily sound that spectacular, but when you consider what the expectations were coming in to the season, that's incredibly impressive. And I think it tells us a lot about how good this team has been uh, through the first half of the season. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no question it does. I mean, they've won more games um, in regulation this first half of the year than they did all of last season. They're one of the it's most explosive offensive teams in the NHL, and they found a new gear winning three of four, or sorry, winning three in a row, three and four, four days yep. on the road uh, against three teams, you know, that were uh, playoff teams last season. So, I mean, this is a dream. This is a dream. And what's amazing about it right now for me, Jamie, is that it felt like it was accelerating, right? Yeah. Like it, it it really feels like this team's kind of trending up <laughs> because of what they've done at the top of their lineup and, and how outrageous it, it's been to watch the, that group in particular, but, but also the whole team work over the course of this past week. Uh, we'll see where it goes. I'm certainly curious to watch more of it certainly curious to watch more of it tomorrow against a penguins team that i think is a lot better than their record like i think the penguins are a lot better than the islanders for mm. example mm -hmm. um and and certainly the penguins top line has like over the course of the season been the best in the nhl like flat out been the best in the nhl so you're getting the best top line in the nhl against the best top line right now in the nhl right. tomorrow and that, to me, is also a headline like might as well be just like rubbing my hands together in anticipation at you know, end matchup tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, you know, to your point about it kind of accelerating, it feels the season feels the most real to me right now. Right. This is the most like real that it has felt all year for me. And obviously there's been a lot of highs starting with the home opener. Right. I, you know, the Bo Horvat return game where they get that overtime winner. And I think after that game, like they have the top three scores in the NHL. There's been a lot of really, really high moments this year. But just in terms of instilling that belief and that confidence and starting to get really, really serious about, OK, how do they match up in the playoffs? What can they do to bolster their chances? This is the moment right now where, at least for me, and you know, based on the conversation I'm seeing, I think for a lot of people, uh, it, it it feels more real now than it has at any point 
earlier in this season. And, you know, we're like the other part of it is, is just we're, we're so far out of true small sample size period now, right? Like we're halfway through uh, the season. And as you've pointed out on various occasions, if you do stretch it back to when Rick Tockett took over, what? Like we're almost out of full season uh, of games here under Rick Tockett. So the more data we gather and the more of it looks like last night, as I said, it's just so much easier to buy into this and think that at least some version of this is going to keep going for the rest of the season and into the playoffs for the Canucks. Uh, In the broadsheet section of the whiteboard, nothing specific that I have to pass along, Grant, but I do think it's just kind of worth noting that the ongoing discussion around this team right now I think is going to be how aggressive are they at the deadline, right? Like that, I think that's going to be the tenor uh, and the focus a lot of a lot of the rumors and reporting that we hear rather than, you know, what's going on with Elias Pettersson. That's still a story. Of course, it's going to be a story. But, you know, rather than updates on UFAs and that sort of thing, I think we're going to be really shifting our focus to what does this team do to add ahead of the deadline and how aggressive are they going to be in doing so? Yeah, and just worth noting a couple that Dollywall brought up on uh, Donnie and Dolly, but not on the crossover. Uh, we'll have to. <laughs> I was shocked. I kept because we'll normally to, he doesn't uh, even um, wait to be asked. He's just like, "Hey guys, I got to say this," <laughs> and he says it. I was yeah. waiting for him to do it, and he didn't do it. Yeah, he had a couple just interesting nuggets on on some of the UFAs. Um, just noted something that we've talked about before, which is you know if you're if you want to discuss Tyler Myers, who's on pace to have the second highest scoring season of his career Mm -hmm. Jamie how wild is that since he won the Calder trophy for the NHL rookie of the year like 14 years ago unreal um unreal you know you think you're getting a guy who's on pace for nearly 40 points without significant power play opportunity is six foot seven highly regarded for his character and right-handed for for one or two million Dollywall was pouring cold water yes. on that, suggesting that Myers is ask and, and market value will be higher. Of course it will be. Um, and then also noting that, uh, you know, there's some in the industry who think that Zadorov was after, you know, as much as six years of term, seven years of term in his conversation with Calgary. Now, look, there's a price to be paid when you're trying to get players to live in Calgary. Um, but that's a lot of term. Uh, Zadorov, I thought, by the way, probably had his best game in a Canucks uniform. Like I think he's been really good since he was since he was acquired, but I thought he was next level good on Long Island last night. So that's an interesting one to think about and track as well. Just the point on the UFAs because I think this ties in with, you know, it feeling more real and the conversation shifting around this team. It wasn't that long ago we were we talking kind of about with all their UFAs, okay, maybe you want to add, but do you also have to manage the risk you have on your UFAs and maybe, you know, you you ship some of them out uh, to guard against them walking for nothing while adding at the same time? I do feel like at this point, and especially with, you know, as well as Tyler Myers and Nikita Zadorov and Ian Cole are all playing for you, like, I think that conversation is over, right? Unless you're doing it to clear cap space to make a really, really major move – at this point, I don't think you can worry about, okay, are we going to be able to re-sign Tyler Myers? Are we going to be able to re-sign Nikita Zadorov? They're big parts of your team right now. You're going to take them past the trade deadline, and you'll kind of let the chips fall where they may once it gets to the summer again, barring them being involved in some sort of uh, really, really significant ad for the team. Uh, on the lineup notes, and you know, no lineup information today, the team will skate probably tomorrow in Pittsburgh ahead of the game 
against the Penguins. But I do think the, the most interesting, interesting situation right now is on the blue line where we've seen this rotation. I know Rick Tockett doesn't want to call it a rotation. He wants to find another word for it. But, right, Noah Juleson comes up. First, Zadorov is out. He's day-to-day. Then Noah Juleson comes out of the lineup as Zadorov comes back in. And then last night, it was Ian Cole's turn to come out of the lineup as Noah Juleson gets back into the game. And, you know, whether you call it a rotation or not, they obviously right now have seven defenders that they trust. Noah Juleson has played his way into that conversation as a guy they trust and they value and they want in the lineup. That's a good problem to have, but I think it's also worth noting we're going to see some flux here. We're going to see some guys coming in and out of the lineup. I'm curious to see how long that period of flux lasts, right? How long is it until they kind of settle on, okay, these are the six we want to roll with when we're all healthy. And hey, maybe it's not to the playoffs. Maybe we see this kind of rotation uh, for a while yet. But really, in terms of the lineup, as long as the lotto line's together, the story in the lineup, I think, is the rotation on the blue line and who is in and who's out on any given night. Well, and the um, <laughs> and the potential murderous anger in the Vancouver market in the event that Rick Tockett <laughs> does decide to split the lotto line. I love a, how a murderous quick- level of anger... <laughs> <laughs> that Tockett is uh, well aware of, based on his joke, joke in square scare quotes, um, following the game last night. One one last lineup note, Jamie, not really that relevant, but a little bit of new intel uh, for our listeners. Storm in the New York metro area. My understanding is that the Canucks were stuck overnight ah. and arrived in Pittsburgh today, as opposed to last night, as you'd expect them to do normally. Um, yeah, it was raining sideways in New York. As you can imagine, going from Long Island back to Manhattan in sideways rain isn't the biggest blast at 1130. <laughs> no, um, but I made it. Congratulations uh, on that. And by the way, I do love how quickly Rick Tockett went from like, well, guys, let's not get ahead of ourselves with the lotto line. You know, I, I don't know if I'm going to keep them together to, oh, wait, I, I literally have no choice. <laughs> But to keep them together based on the reaction it's gotten uh, from the fans back in Vancouver. And look, I mean, how could you split them up? How could you split them up right now when they're combining for the kind of goals they are on a regular basis through these three games? Playoff forecast for the Canucks now up to all the way up to a 98% chance to make the playoffs. And of course, the more important number right now, and this continues to uh, be a really good number for the Canucks as they win and the Kings and the Golden Knights scuffle a little bit. 43% chance to win the division per your colleague Dom's model at the Athletic. That's well above where the Kings are in second place. Canucks have a 43% chance. Kings have a 26% chance to win the division. And you add the first place and second place in the division odds together or chances together for the Canucks. They have 43% chance in first, 27% chance to finish in second, That's a 70% chance of having home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Now, I will say, if you're looking at kind of the ultimate dream matchup in the first round, which would be winning the conference and getting the crossover team potentially from the Central, uh, the Winnipeg Jets right now projected to finish with 113 points. They're absolutely on fire. The Canucks projected to finish with 106 points. So a little bit of a gap there that the Canucks would need to close in order to claim first place in the conference. But yeah, that headlining number for me, a 43% chance, inching closer to a 50% chance to win the Pacific Division for the Canucks right now. Now, you know how reluctant I am to mow your lawn usually. Yes. But 
I want you to focus on another number. And for those of you who are only listening to the whiteboard on podcast, okay, uh, listen to the rest of the show because we've been discussing this at length. Can you do me a favor and count out the number of teams at a 4% or higher Stanley Cup odds, which, by the way, 4% is the Canucks Stanley Cup odds per Dom's model. All right, let's go here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 13 teams of at least a 4% chance to win the Stanley Cup per the model. That's a lot. How many with any percent? How many with what? Right. Four, with more than 10%. With more than 10%? Three. The Jets, the Hurricanes, yeah. and the Oilers. Yeah. So, and on true talent, I know Dom's model considers the Oilers at this point, based off of what they've done the last six weeks to be the best team in hockey. Um, that's what I mean when I'm talking about wide open. Like in past years, Dom's models had like multiple teams at like 18, yeah, 20%. Like the Avalanche entered the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs with like a 30% shot of winning the Stan- uh, the the Cup, um, you know, just two years ago, and then they did it. Uh, it is extremely open per Dom's model in a way that it typically isn't. And I just want to spotlight that to sort of undergird any conversations about you know, the leverage of making ads, what they do like that to me is what's really shaping up to be a reason to be a motivated buyer going forward here. And that's what's present. I, I just thought it was worth getting yeah. into in the playoff forecast. It's I'm a feeling good like raising the bar here. Well, you know, we are right. Cause first we went from playoff odds. Now I'm really shifting to tracking yeah. the division odds more than anything else. And you're right. I hadn't got to that point, but that is the next step is like, how are their odds for the cup stacking up relative to that group of 12 or 13 teams that are kind of in with a, a realistic shot per the model. So I am glad you brought that up. Cause you're right. That's the next level of tracking these odds that we're graduating to here. Yeah. And, and I mean, we won't, really get to like grabbing it regular until the but um certainly certainly an interesting data point and we'll see if one team can like really open up a lead here you know like yeah. if one team really sort of starts to swell in terms of or even a group of teams in terms of their ability to separate from the pack no game lines open yet for tomorrow's game against pittsburgh uh, we're on to the gambling odds section of the whiteboard now. Here's one thing I just want to note. Like, the Canucks have been road dogs the last two games against the Rangers and the Islanders. And if you bet the Canucks as road dogs, obviously you've uh, profited both nights. Um, I'm I'm curious to see if Vegas reacts now, right? Now in the wake of the lotto line moving. Like, against this Pittsburgh team, because Buffalo and Columbus are, are sort of their only remaining teams left on this road trip, like, is there one last opportunity to get the Canucks as a road dog against a fringe playoff team at, at plus money? That's that's like a story to track and one we'll get into tomorrow. My guess, my guess is it'll be close to a pick 'em, but yeah. I won't be surprised by like a plus 105, plus 110 price line for the Canucks. Um, Quinn Hughes is up to plus 135 to win the Norris. He's also 16 to one now to win the MVP. That's the seventh highest. And he's separated from Elias Pettersson in the Hart Trophy futures betting market. Also, despite beating Peter Laviolette's Rangers, Peter Laviolette remains second in in um, the market for Jack Adams at plus 650. Rick Talk, it's still plus 185. So um, I, guess that, I guess that, according to the voters, didn't seal the deal. Uh, the Canucks win over the New York Rangers on Monday. And one last one, I, I, I did, I calculated an average 
of four leading sports books across North America. Here are the gambling lines on average. So these aren't like actual prices you can get. Yep. This is an average of four major North American sports books. Um, top four teams in the Pacific to win the Pacific Division. Canucks plus 153. Okay. LA plus 250. Vegas plus 350. Like three and a half to one now for Vegas. And Edmonton five to one. So, uh, you know, the Canucks are separating in the in like the market's opinion as a presumptive uh a presumptive favorite in the pacific division now that is the whiteboard for today january 10th and uh, as it always seems to be these days lots and lots of good news uh for the canucks as it pertains to winning the division individual awards basically everything you could imagine right now uh jazzy texan are the Jets really that much better than the Canucks? I can't wait to see these two teams go at it. And he says with the Canucks sweeping. But, I mean, we'll see about that, Jazzy. But, look, I agree with him on this is that, you know, I've talked a lot about, hey, they haven't played the Kings yet, and they're going to get a steady dose of the Kings starting at the end of February and going towards the end of the season. They'll mix some Vegas Golden Knights in there, who obviously they've seen one time so far as well. But, yeah, all of a sudden that matchup with the Jets when it comes around, I think the first one is in February that that the the mechanics of them meeting in the playoffs involves them winning playoff series, a bunch of playoff series first. So I don't know if it's going to be a potential playoff preview like the games against the Kings or the uh, Golden Knights could be. But just in terms of those measuring stick games, right, getting the chance to go up against another team that's having a sensational year uh, in the regular season and just looking ahead or in the Western Conference, looking ahead to uh, the Canucks March schedule. They have a section of games in the kind of first and second weeks of March on the road in L.A., on the road in Vegas, come back home to play Winnipeg, then get a few days off and play the Colorado Avalanche. So obviously the truly high stakes games not going to get going until April until they're in the playoffs here. But there's some really tasty matchups and some really entertaining strings of matchups, too, uh, that we're going to get to see. I think we're going to find out a lot about the Canucks in in the final couple of months of the season season here. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look over their last month of games, right? Vancouver has 20 points in in 13 games over the course of the past month. Winnipeg has 26 points in 15 games. Uh, just absurd. And both teams, you know, in addition to, by the way, Edmonton and Toronto. Um, and Pittsburgh, by the way, which is of interest because the Canucks play them, of course, tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. All of them are controlling play at an elite, elite, like top 10 clip if you go look at sort of score-adjusted numbers over the past month. But Winnipeg is slightly ahead. Um, market's obviously more into Winnipeg. The model's more into Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a few things going on there, but one of them is, you know, the model believes that goaltending is super unpredictable, which it is, by the way, and looks at the fact that Hellebuck has a longer track record sustaining save percentage than Demko does and, and sort of gives gives them a little more confidence in terms of how Hellebuck's rated by the model than it has um, confidence in Demko. You know, I, I don't I don't think that's like it's goaltending, right? Like I think that's a sensible way for a um, an objective like measurement mm -hmm. to approach it but uh, you know we don't have to wait it beyond understanding why the model's kicking it that sort of uh, out, uh, output at us um yeah i mean really interesting there there's a lot of really good canadian teams and you know i think the model 
you know, has Toronto as a top 10 team, Vancouver as a top 15 team, Winnipeg and Edmonton as top five teams at the moment. Uh, you know, a very strong season from a variety of teams uh, in Canada. And, you know, it does sort of beg the question, could this finally be the year that a team or two break through, go deep into the playoffs and maybe even end that long, long drought that's lasted, you know, my entire life, basically, since I was six years old and the Montreal Canadiens won in 1993. Well, and with three teams uh, in the Western Conference from Canada as well, two in the Pacific, I mean, we've got a chance to see some all-Canadian matchups uh, in the playoffs, which would be phenomenal yeah. as well. And just on the Jets, you know, you're talking about how the model views them. And I know it wasn't just Dom's model. I think it was our guy, Jay Fresh, too, who runs the numbers at the beginning of the year. His model was so high on the Jets that he was, like, confused by it. You know what I mean? It was almost like, uh-oh, has something gone wrong with my model that it likes the Jets this much? But uh, ch- chalk one up to the numbers because they were able to predict this Jets breakout in a way that I don't think a lot of other people did coming in uh, to the season. Uh, 650. Yeah, 650. I mean. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, sorry, I just – I the model – all of these models and all of the underlying metrics were, like, really high on Gabe Velarde. And I always thought, personally, like this is my personal view, I thought Velarde was a little bit more product of system mm-hmm. than certainly he's looked as a major top-line difference maker for the Jets this season. So, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it does make sense to trust the model uh, over your own biases. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but, yeah, and then and then just a quick note on the Kings who lost another tough one. I mean, they're on a, they're on a real losing streak here now. Uh, is it seven games, six games? Yep. Um, they were second team by, you know, combined save percentage and shooting percentage by PDO. They were second. All right. Minutes before. <laughs> Scant minutes before the show ended, uh, we lost Rance's connection. Hey, that's not bad, though, guys. That's not bad. We made it almost to the very end of the show. We almost did it. Uh, just as before we wrap up here and uh, Drance gets an early start to his post-show day in Pittsburgh, I did want to read these two texts uh, that came in right off the top of the show. I've been letting our intro music, our new intro music this year, run a little bit uh, every day when we come on before the start of the show. These two texts come in. First, this one. The intro music somehow has come to perfectly encapsulate the mood of the season. It's prescient. And Locutus of Borg says, I remained convinced that the timing of the jubilance of this season's opening song is evidence that the NHL is an inside job. People alleging that we either predicted or caused this incredibly successful Canucks season by choosing to go to the up-tempo, peppy, happy music uh, before the season started. I wish we were that smart. I truly do. But it is, in fact, just an incredible coincidence. No, not this one. It's the op- this show opening one. I told I told him to play the openings. Play any music. No, no what no, are you no. talking about, Dom? They're they're specifically rep- referencing the show opening. See, there you go. This is the sound of a successful Canucks season right now. We did it, guys. Dom, you did it, really, by getting in the lab and cooking up this intro. You created the conditions for the Canucks to go on this incredible, all happy, all the time Jim run. Hit me up, you know. I need I need get, I need to get paid. Hashtag thank you, Dom. <laughs> no, come on, thirty two thoughts. We'll talk. Oh, boy. You had to get the 32 thoughts Time to go, Jamie. Had to get the 32 th- thoughts reference in there. Yeah, as soon as Dom uh, starts talking 32 thoughts, it's time to wrap up. We will be back tomorrow. It's another Canucks game day on the road. Drancers there in Pittsburgh uh, covering it. Thanks for listening. As always, it's Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650.